How you doing, Victory Church? Good morning, good morning. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us, I want to say welcome. So glad that you're here. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements before we get into the word. Uh, one, I just want to say thank you to every person that's tithing and giving every month to Victory. There's, there's so much that we're able to do. Darla mentioned it in the video. Brian talks about some of the events that we're being able to be a part of. But one of the things that we are doing uh, with those finances, so we always do everything we can to make what's happening here on a Sunday happen, but we always try to be involved in the community and outside of these four walls. And one of the ways that we're doing that, the most recent thing we have coming up is our egg hunt the Saturday before Easter. And so our heart is for that to be not only for our people, for you and your family and your kids, but it's also for the community. So it's a free event. We provide food, eggs. And uh, we were meeting. We were doing our staff meeting talking about our eggs. And every year we, we pay for them to kind of be pre-stuffed so that we don't have to put that burden on, on you, me, the rest of this church. Uh, but, but there was a couple conversations that happened with Eric and my wife. And here's what they said, and I love their hearts. They were like, you know, sometimes when you get those eggs, there's not the best stuff inside of them. It's kind of the nasty candy, and it's always the same candy. And they said, if we're going to be giving these to our church kids and our community, we need to provide the best. And so they want to provide toys and stickers and good candy. And so to do that, we got to stuff the eggs, right? That's what happens. Um, but I just love that because of your faithfulness and giving, not only are we able to get the eggs, purchase the eggs, uh, but also purchase what's going to go in them. So we will be stuffing them, as Brian said, Wednesday night. Uh, and then on that Saturday, we will lay those eggs out. We're working on a couple of things. I don't know if we're going to pull it off, but obviously we'll have egg hunts for all of our kids. Then we'll have an egg hunt for the adults. Can I get away? You say, what's an adult egg hunt? There's prizes in certain eggs. So there's a lot of fist fighting and kicking and tripping. Uh, and then we're working on, I, I hope I can pull it off. We're working on our very first senior adult egg hunt. Come on, isn't that just sweet? That's just sweet saying it, all right? Uh, it's probably not for you. If you're cheering, it's probably, you're probably not a senior adult of what way I'm thinking. But anyway, it's just going to be exciting. I'm, I'm working with a couple people on the ideas behind this. And if we pull it off, it's going to be really, really cool. It's just going to be a great day for our church. And so when you came in, there were cards in your seats. Do me a favor. Don't just throw those away. Grab them, put them in your pocket. Uh, you, can, you can register for the egg hunt through the card, but also you can reserve your seat for Easter. We'll have a 9 and a 1030 service on Easter Sunday, and last year both were packed. And so we want to encourage you right now to start reserving your seat. If you want to be here for the 9, you want to be here for the 1030, you need to get on there and reserve your seat, because I just think it's going to be a great weekend. Amen? Amen. It's going to be exciting. So do me a favor. Take those cards, pass them out, invite somebody to church. Uh, let's Let's depopulate hell, as people like to say, and let's let people hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the grace of Jesus, and be saved. Amen? Amen. All right, if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Mark chapter 5. We're going right back to where we were last week. Mark chapter 5, different story, same book of the Bible, same book, same chapter. Uh, we talked last week about the woman with the issue of blood, and we made a comparison in that to mental health, and we talked about how it's okay to not be okay, but then we walked through how God doesn't want us to stay there, and we walked through some steps moving us in that direction, and this is not a sequel to that, but the more I wrote it, the more I thought, this is kind of a sequel to that. Like, I can see how they parallel together, and so Mark chapter 5, we're going to start reading in verse 1. We got about 13 verses to read um, to be able to get the full part of the story, but we'll read and go from there. Here we go. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, they being the disciples and Jesus. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit, some versions say demon. Everybody say demon. demon. All right, don't get scared. We're not going to start casting demons out of people. You don't need to grab your purse, but it's going to be important. A man with an impure spirit or demon came from the tombs to meet Jesus. He came out, boo, there he was, and 
This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. So this guy, because of the demons inside of him, they couldn't even bound him with a chain. It says, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, and he broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him night and day among the tombs and in the hills. He would cry out, and he would cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of Jesus and he shouts at the top of his voice. Now, this is actually the demon speaking, okay? It's not the man, it's the demon speaking from him. The demon spoke, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. What he means is don't make me leave. Don't don't cast me out of this home that I've found because then I won't have a home. And for Jesus said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And then Jesus asked him, what is your name? What's your name, demon? Demon responds, my name is Legion, which you know Legion means many. He said, he replied, for we are many. That'll be important in a little bit. There's a lot of us in here, okay? Uh, a large herd of pigs. I'm sorry. So he begged Jesus not to, again and again, not to send them out of the area. And then all of a sudden, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus Send us among those pigs. Don't just cast us out to where we're non-existent. At least let us exist in these pigs. Allow us to go into them. And Jesus gave them permission. I'm not even preaching on that, and that's a good word. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out of the man. They went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Everybody say, whoa. Whoa. It's a thick word. I want to talk to you this morning from this idea. I have a past and I have a future. I have a past and I have a future. Anybody in here got a past? All right, let me see if you got a past. You got some past issues. Let me know. All right, if you didn't raise your hand, you're lying in church. All right, so now you have a past. All right, if you didn't then, now you do. Um, as I was writing this sermon, I was like, man, I really want to open it up with a story from my past that is a negative past experience. And I thought it'd be hard to come up with one. I found out it was real easy to come up with many. And so the hard part was to pick which one would be the best setter for this message. I don't know if I picked the best one, but I picked one that uh, I don't know that some of you heard. And it's always fun to tell, okay? Um, If you're visiting with us, you're going to learn that I I have a structure in which I'm preaching by. I practice. I prepare. I'm not just up here willy-nillying it. However, sometimes I get really excited And sometimes I get really passionate about Jesus and the word, and I can kind of get off of that structure for a moment, and then I have to come back to it. And it's in those moments, and Andrew and the production team will tell you, that they're actually budgeting in some kind of button to be able to, like, blank me out when they see me go too far and just pull me back. But I didn't always have Andrew, and I didn't always have, uh, the you know, self-control. And so years ago, I was preaching to a room full of youth and young adults, and, and, and I was younger and dumber and not as good looking and all kinds of different things going on. Um, and I mean, I'm preaching, I'm preaching. And my whole sermon is about how sin is disguised to tempt us. Like sin doesn't look like sin. It doesn't look like uh, a destroyed life or a ruined marriage or anything like that. It's disguised to make us, you know, be tempted by it. And then once we get into it, then it's revealed to be, you know, life-altering bad. And so I was making a comparison 
to rat poison. And I'd done a lot of study on rat poison, and rat poison has kind of this sugary coated shell that's very attractive to a rat. But as they're eating that and then they break through that, there's the poison, and so they don't even realize it. They're going, oh, this is delicious, and then boom, poison, and they're dead. All right, sounds great. You guys get it. I'm making the illustration. I got young people in the room, and I start thinking about as I'm preaching, I'm thinking about all the ways that the enemy disguises temptation. And one of the things, you know, I was thinking about a lot of things, but one of the things that popped in my mind was, was how, again, this is years ago, and I'm talking to young people, how, how the opposite sex dresses, specifically young ladies, to tempt the man. And so that comes into my head and I get ready to say it. And I'm thinking about rat poison in a covered shell. And I'm thinking about girls dressing up to tempt boys. And all of a sudden, out of my mouth, I said, if you put a mini skirt on anything, I'll eat it. <laughs> there it is, guys. We're done. How do you recover from that? You know what I mean? Like, how do you, how is it like, okay, now let's pray. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, there was a young man that was visiting. He was visiting that night. Uh, ended up being one of Darla and I's greatest disciples. And um, we took him home that night, or I took him home that night. And he said, he said, I'll never forget tonight. And I'm thinking he means because Jesus changed his life because he got saved that night. And I said, yeah, isn't it crazy salvation? He goes, no, I'll never forget your miniskirt comment. <laughs> And I was like, thanks a lot, brother. Appreciate that. Um, you know, here's the deal, right? Y'all are laughing at me, okay? Um, and, and while each one of us have, have different, we are different in many ways. Like, like all of us, if we just sit down and talk for a moment, there's, there's so many things different about us. We, we like certain things, you know, that are different. We, we dress different ways. We think different ways. We act different ways. Um, but, but having a past is something that we all have in common, Right? It doesn't matter your race, it doesn't matter your cultural background, it doesn't matter your financial background, it doesn't matter if you were born here, moved here, male, female, married, single, kids, no kids. All of that is irrelevant when it comes to the subject of a past. We all have a past. We, we all have uh, past decisions that we made, right? Decisions that we wish we wouldn't have made. We all have past financial decisions that we made. Uh, here's one if you're not with me yet. We all have past relationships, right, that we wish we could forget. <laughs> um, we, we all have moments, moments that when we think about it, we regret it. Moments that if somebody brings it up, we wish that they never happened. It doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't even matter how saved we are. <laughs> that we, all, we all have a past, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, the, the older you get, you still have a past, Right? Because even in the future, you're not perfect. So there's always going to be moments where you're looking back on your past. And regardless of what we've done, regardless of whatever it was we did, regardless of whatever somebody did to us, and regardless of where we may actually currently be right now, here's what we need to understand. God can still restore us and use us. Amen. That's the important part. You understand God can restore you, but do you understand that God can then take that, redeem you, and use you to impact people's lives despite your past? Think about it. Every great person in the Bible had a past, right? I mean, let's just start with the Old Testament, and you've probably heard sayings like this. Moses was a murderer. Jacob was a liar. Rahab was a prostitute. You can go through uh, David and all of his past issues. Let's talk about him on the roof with Bathsheba. Nobody wants to talk about that, right? 
We talk about David. He's a man after God's own heart. But, you know, he has a past. Then you want to go into the New Testament and start talking about the disciples. They had past, watch this, pre-Jesus and post-Jesus. See, here's the lie that we want to get out, especially in the church world, is that you have a past pre-Jesus. I don't know about you. I got a past post-Jesus. I've got things that I did that I regret that I did after I gave my life to Christ. And when Peter denies Christ three times, that's a past for Peter post-Christ. When Thomas says, I'm not going to believe you unless I can put my fingers in the holes in your hands, that's a past post-Christ. We're going to have a past both pre and post, but God can restore it and God can use it. Here's what I want you to understand. We cannot change our past no matter how bad we might want to. But our past does not have to determine our future. You can't change the past. You can certainly ask for forgiveness and you can certainly apologize and you can even give forgiveness, but you can't change it. It happened. But it does not have to continue to impact your future. We can't allow that to be released and start moving in the promises of God. I love what St. Augustine said. I thought this was really cool. He says, there is no saint without a past and there's no sinner without a future. Isn't that great? So if, if you're a saint, if you believe you are a, a Bible-believing, church-going person, can I let you know something? You have a past. So when you come across somebody who has a past, don't act like you don't have a past. You have a past. At the same time, the sinner who feels like all hell's broken loose in your life and you have no future, you have a future. We all do. It's never too late for God to make a miracle out of our mess. It's never too late. But here's where the tension often comes because in moments like this where we talk up the idea that God can redeem past, that God has a future. It's normally in those moments, because this is not something you have not heard before. You've heard this before, whether in a sermon or in a motiv motiv motivational uh, text message or on a, on a pillow or on an Instagram post. You've heard this concept before. But where the struggle is, is once you hear it, you start de de is it diminishing, we'll say, yourself based off of your past, right? You say things like, um, yeah, but you don't understand my past. You don't understand what I, watch this, you don't understand what I did, you don't understand how often I did it, you don't understand to the level in which I did it, you don't understand the frequency in which I did it, you don't understand how recently I did it, you don't understand that I am still doing it, right? And I kind of had this thought that this is often how when Jesus comes in and says, even though you got a past, you got a future, we often respond like this. But Jesus, you don't understand, I have a lot of past demons. You can't use me, Jesus. I have a lot of past demons. Watch this. Go back to Mark chapter 5 for a second. I thought this was so cool. Jesus says to him, come out of this man, right? Come out, you impure spirit. And then Jesus asks, what's your name? Jesus is just trying to set context. What's your name, demon? To which the demon responds, my name is Legion. Why is your name Legion? My name is Legion. We have called ourselves Legion because there are a lot of us. It took 2,000 pigs to be able to cast out this demon into something. So the demons are saying, hey, just so you know, Jesus, there are a whole lot of us in here. You ever said that to Jesus? Oh, you're saved and washed in the blood. Hold on, Jesus. I want to use you to impact lives. Hold on, Jesus. There's a lot of us in here, right? 
I'm multi-personality. There's a lot of us in here. The demon tried to intimidate Jesus by letting him know how many there were. And I think often we believe that Jesus is intimidated by the past that we have. That somehow the Son of God is going to go, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute, what? You did what? Could you imagine that interaction with Jesus and the demon? What's your name, demon? Sorry, I'm not talking specifically to you, Sam. I'm just, you know, sorry. Legion. Oh, you know, like, oh, gosh, Legion. How many of you? 2,000? Okay, never mind. If had it been like 160, I'd have had you. But that's too many. And we think there's that, that's the interaction with Jesus. That if Jesus is like, hey, yeah, Daniel, you're saved. James, you're saved. Oh, yeah. You've done a little too much, right? That, that's how we think that process works. Because our enemy wants us to believe that our past experiences have somehow caused us to forfeit our God-given future. Our God-anointed, God-appointed, God-given future. Not, not earned future. Given future. But because of our past, we think we forfeited it. My in-laws were in town last weekend. They stayed through a couple days in the week, and uh, on Monday, I believe, Darla was out doing some things, and it was me and her mom. We were, we were at our house, and we got in a conversation. Normally, we will. Um, I'm her pastor, and so often we'll have biblical, you know, spiritual conversations. We're sitting on my couch in the living room, and we start talking about just the message from that Sunday and just our past and different things. And um, She got saved. Y'all heard me tell this before. She got saved through Darla. Darla got saved at eight. Is that right? Eight? Nine, eight or nine years old, and then ended up leading to her parents' salvation. And so there was a lot of pre-Jesus life, is what I'm trying to tell you. And so we're sitting there talking, and for a moment, she starts talking about her past pre-Jesus, and she just hangs her head. And I'm sitting on the couch, and I just thought, wow. That's for a lot of us, right? For a lot of us, there are things that we don't even really want to mention again. <laughs> there are things that make us, watch, when you hear about it, you cringe, like, that, that's, how, that's how, ugh, how, how miserable you were in that moment, how ashamed you are of that moment that when somebody even brings it up, you want to pretend like it was just not even there. Like, it's just hard for you to hear that again because you see all the great that God's done. I had this moment with her where I started walking through. I was like, but look at all that God's done. I started, look at Lucas, look at Darla, look at all they're doing for the Lord. Look at your marriage and how great it is. Look, look what you've done for the church world. Look at how you've been as a believer. I'm listing all of these great things and the future that God has. And she could receive it. I'm not saying she didn't receive it. She received it very well. But I just thought it was an interesting interaction. Because one side of her hung her head because of the past. And the other side of her could lift her head because of the current present and the coming future. Right? When it comes to our past, we tend to drift between two extremes. Either believing that the past is nothing or believing that the past is everything. We tend to kind of be one of those. Either, either the past means nothing, get over it, it's gone, right? You don't have to worry about it anymore. Or the past is everything. It dictates and shapes everything. We tend to pick one. We don't really have that balance in the middle. We're kind of one or the other. But here's what I'm learning. The past can't be everything. If the past is everything, y'all, I'm in trouble. Y'all might as well go ahead and leave now. We might as well close this thing down and be done. I could tell you stories. I could Look, if the past was everything, there are some haircuts that I've had I remember when I was significantly chubbier, okay? No, I don't need any judgment, okay? I was significantly.
significantly chubbier. I went in to get my hair cut, and I told the hairdresser, I didn't tell her this, but I implied this, make me look better than I look, right? Like somehow use my hair to, to make me all of a sudden be attractive. And she said, well, I got this haircut I can do. It's called the George Clooney. I said, well, who doesn't want to look like George Clooney, right? I'm 17 years old. I should look like George Clooney right now. Like make that. Clearly all I need is a haircut, and I'll look like George Clooney. That's all that happens. And so she ended up doing something to me, y'all. It ended up being on the yearbook picture of high school. It, I, all I can tell you is it caused my hair to be very greased down. And so you ever seen somebody, the top of their hair is so greased that the top's flat and the side sticks up past the top? You know what I'm talking about? She made these like little hook waves across my forehead, and my hair was so long they were coming over my eyebrows like this. I looked terrible. I've had some past outfits. Come on, don't y'all like, y'all got some too, right? It's on your Facebook right now. I was going to get these Jordans one time when I was with my friend, but they were like $175, and I was a very, uh, I was a good steward already because I was poor, and so I tried to figure out how to make that work, and I, I stayed up all night because my dad put a seat in my head. Here's what he said. He said, you going to spend $175 on one pair of shoes? Think about all you could get with $175. I stayed up all night going, what all can I get for $175? So I went to TJ Maxx, y'all, and I came out of TJ Maxx with a complete Ralph Lauren outfit. It was green, red, and beige plaid button down short sleeve shirt, same plaid, yeah, y'all already get it, same plaid shorts, it gets worse, beige boat shoes, and beige knee-high socks, I don't know, I don't know, it's just, you know, I don't know, I should have bought the Jordans, you know what I'm saying, like, it would have been smart, I, I just, I got some things, right, y'all got them too? We, we, all, we all have some, if the past is everything, I'm in trouble because I've, I've looked rough in the past. I've said things in the past. When I was in Bible school, my roommate told me, he said, you have the ability with your tongue to chop people off at the legs. It was true because <laughs> we would just get in checking matches at school all the time. You know what I mean? Just roasting people. And so, look, if the past is true, then I can't be here doing this. You know what I mean? If, if the past is everything. But watch this. The other side, the past can't be nothing. See, I, I think we've, there's, there's a verse in the Bible that says, through Jesus, the old is gone and the new has come. And I love that and I believe it. Where we've messed up on with that translation is instead of seeing that as the condemnation of our sin is gone and now we are made righteous in Christ and moving new, we try to take that as our past is gone and therefore we're not influenced by it. And the problem is you can't say your past is nothing because your past left wounds, it left scars, it left pain, it left influence, you know what I mean? The past did something. So while it doesn't control your future, it happened, Right? Like, like it happened. I sit with people all the time who their marriages and their finances and are being influenced because of something that happened in the past. It happened. And I don't ever, as your pastor, I don't ever want to stand up here and give you a thought that you walk out of that door with and find out it's not actually true. And the idea that the past is real, it's not everything. God does have a future, but you are wounded by it. It, it did hurt. When they said that to you, that hurt. When they did you wrong, that hurt. 
When, when, when that situation happened, it really did happen. Can I set you free for a moment? Listen, look at me. I recognize that it happened. I'm not a pastor that's going, you just need to get over it. You just need to believe. It's under the blood. It's not under the blood. Right? The result of it, the condemnation of it is under the blood. But the fact is that sometimes when I wake up, I still feel it. Sometimes when I get in a new relationship, there it is. Sometimes when all of a sudden I get some money, here it comes. Because it's still there. When, when we say the past is nothing, what happens is we, we can't move forward and have success in life like relationships and our career, finances, if we haven't dealt with the pain of our past, abuse, trauma, disappointment, failure. I had this saying for our past, it's your trauma, your drama, your daddy and mama. <laughs> right? Like, like the, the, listen to me. You cannot expect to move forward in life with success in all of these areas if you do not at some point address has happened to you in the past. There is trauma. Doesn't make you a bad person. I said last week, it's not a sin to be sick. There's trauma. You have to deal with the trauma, right? You have to be able to address it. If right now something happened, if you had a heart attack or high cholesterol, you'd go to the hospital and they would handle that, that emergency immediately. But then when it was done, they would say, hey, we got to do something different here. And so, yes, the Holy Spirit is able to handle that trauma immediately, but then the, the Lord, the Word of God says, hey, let's do something to start moving us in the process of healing from this because you can't just ignore it. Just ignore it. It's there. At the same time, when we make our past everything, watch this, we will go beyond confessing our sin and start beginning to define ourselves by it. And in this way, we allow our lives to be defined by what we did rather than anticipating our future according to what Christ has done. Did you catch that? That was way deeper than your response. When our past becomes everything, we begin to define ourselves by what we did instead of defining ourselves by the anticipation of what is to come based off of what Christ has done. Don't define yourself on what you did. Define yourself on what he's done. Now, hear me. You got to address it. There has to be work there, but it can't define you. You know what I mean? It was interesting when you read this story in Mark 5. They, they have kind of cast this guy to an island by himself. When, when Jesus rolls up on him, first of all, I believe Jesus knew he was there. That's why he was going there. But the people have put him on this island by himself. They actually said it in the scripture in a certain way. They basically said, we don't know what to do with him. We don't know how to handle him. And so, watch this. Instead of figuring it out and moving to a healthy place of healing, let's just kind of cast him away to an island by himself, and we don't have to worry about it. He can just kind of deal with it. You know what I mean? This is the same thing that's happening in our culture today. Instead of addressing past because it hurts, right? Instead of confronting our past because it brings up all these past memories, we either, watch this, we're either cast away by people or we cast ourselves away to an island to just kind of deal with it on our own island. And our island becomes this guaranteed projection of our future. Watch this. I'm on this island and my marriage will never be. Because of my past, 
I'm now on this island where I will never have a successful marriage. Why? Because of my past. We've put ourselves on this island. I'll never be a good parent. Why? Because of my past. And so I put myself on this island. See what I mean? I'll never be good with finances. Why? Because of my past. So I put myself on this island. There's this temptation for us to make this, this statement that because of something that happened to us now defines us and we are either pushed by the world or we push ourselves to this island and we just decide we'll just hang out here. We'll just be miserable by ourselves on this island. And you find out that even when you're with big groups of people, you still feel like you're on an island. No matter how many great books you read, you still feel like you're on an island. No matter how much counseling you go through, how many sermons you listen to, you walk away still feeling like everybody else is good, but I'm on an island. And the reason is our past. Something happened to me, and it defined me. And now I accept that identity, and I walk in it. Listen to me. God will never define you by your past. But the enemy and the world is going to attempt to try to confine you by it. God will never define you by it. I don't care what you did. I don't care how bad it was. Watch this. The moment you were too bad for forgiveness, you cheapened the cross. Right? Like there was nothing you could have done. That's why Jesus went. Look, he could have died so many different ways, but he chose crucifixion because at that time it was the highest level of death because he wanted you to know that no matter how bad you've been, his cross, his death overcovered it. It covered it. It overshadowed it. It was enough. There's nothing you cannot do or there's nothing you can do. So he'll never define you by it, but culture this world, our enemy, they are going to try to confine you by it. Hey, you stay over there. You can't be here because you experienced something in your past. If I'm free indeed in Christ, how come culture or the enemy gets to decide where I can go? <laughs> Darla participated in a uh, Spartan, was it a Spartan race? Spartan race. It's kind of one of those 5K races where you go through and do all these, you know, real, real crazy things. Her and Zoe did it together. So they got to run through mud and climb under walls and jump over walls. And uh, during, the, during the race, at one point, she got to, was it the monkey bars, babe? It was the monkey bars. She gets to the monkey bars. And she, her and Zoe did their best to practice it, but it's kind of hard to practice it. So they go through it, and she, and, and she goes through it, and she doesn't quite make it. She falls off. And you can, you can choose to skip uh, you know, one of those particular events, but then you have to do so many burpees and different things, and she didn't want to do that. She wanted to be able to say that she had gone through all of them, so she circles back around, and she tries it again. Boom, she falls off, circles back around, tries it again. I don't remember how many times she tried it, but she got to that point where it started to become overwhelming for her because she couldn't do it. Tried it X amount of times, kept falling, couldn't do it. Zoe, meanwhile, was standing off to the side, and she and I, I wanted to touch base on this story before sermon, but I forgot, so sorry, baby, if I'm missing some stuff, but, but she goes to Zoe, and they start talking about it, She's crying, and she's walking through with Zoe, what she's doing. And Zoe looks at her and says, try it one more time. And so she turns around, she goes on it, and she does it, right? She completes it. And when she gets off, she's like, yeah, I did that, right? Like, she's excited about it. She came home and told me about it. She was like, I did that. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Like, you know, I'm kicking trash cans over and stuff. Like, let's go. 
But the Lord brought that moment back to my mind because watch, there's this, there's this, there's this great moment. And Zoe right now, she's out of town celebrating her birthday. So when she listens to this message, for the first time, Zoe, you were referred to as Jesus. Okay? <laughs> but in this moment, Darla could have said, watch, I can never do it. I keep trying to do it and I keep failing. I can't do it because of my past. There's this interaction with somebody who sees future and belief and says, try it one more time. Try it one more time. And then she completes it and she's all, oh, let's go, baby. You know what I mean? So watch this. Watch this. I'll never, I'll never be a good parent. Why? Because look how many times I've failed. Just try it one more time. Try it one more time. Believe in yourself. Believe in the God who believes in you. Do it. And when you do it, you'll be like, let's have another baby. <laughs> Not for us, though, okay? We're done. You go to nursery if you need that baby fixed. You know what I mean? Like, you get excited when you do it. And I think all of heaven, all of heaven freaks out in those moments. They're cheering for you. God wants you to do it. He's got a plan. But he's also so sovereign, such a gentleman that if you choose to stop, he'll let you stop. But if you want to keep going, he'll be right there. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Casey Ray, she's in a ninja class, and she was doing this ninja course a couple weekends ago. And it was so funny because I'm not very vocal and stuff like that because it's just it's kind of awkward to me. And I never, and I never want to, like, push boundaries with my kids. But she got to this part of the course where she was real close to me. I started freaking out. I was like, come on, baby, grab it, baby, let's go, baby. You know, she's on a rope. I'm like, reach higher, reach higher. You go, 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 go. And she gets it. And, like, I'm all emotional. Like, she did it. Oh, my gosh. Right? And then she gets to this rope. And it's like the third time she had to do it. It's a really tall rope. And she goes to climb up it. And you can tell she's exhausted. If you know her, she's small. She's exhausted. And watch this. It's so cool. I'm cheering. The family's cheering. Now, all of a sudden, everybody else's parents start cheering. Come on, because they know her name now. Come on, Casey. Come on. I'm looking around. I'm like, oh my gosh, right? Like everybody's cheering for my baby. And she's climbing up and she finally gets it and she hits the bell and everybody's like, ah. And I'm like, that's heaven. That's heaven. People you don't even know. You don't even know, but they're a part of it with you. And they're going, come on, let's go. Let's try it. Try it again. Get back up. Let's do it. But you don't understand I failed before. Right, you did fail before, but Christ is with you. He has a future and a purpose for you. He is literally walking out your steps. Get back up and let's do it again. Let's do it again. Now, I always want you to hear me say, I am not pretending like your past is nothing. If you need counseling, get counseling. I talked last week about it. I'm not a doctor. Medical all the time works its way in a very godly way, by all means. But I'm telling you on the spiritual side of it, while it is a real thing and there has to be healing, God is not done with you. I'd even challenge you, he ain't even got started yet. He's ready. He's ready. He's just waiting for us to say, let's go. Let's go. But God, I did this. That is old. That's where I believe Christ says the old is gone. In other words, in his eyes, it's gone. But he also understands that you're still feeling it. And that's the character of God that I want you to grasp. That while the impact and the condemnation of your past that holds you away from your future is gone, the, the God of the universe understands you and knows that it still hurts. 
And so he has the ability to both heal your pain and prophesy your future. Think about that. He's so big that he can address the hurt and talk about where we're about to go. God doesn't use our past to show us what we will be. He uses it to shape us to be better. I hear people all the time, again, kind of use it as a trajectory and as a projection of the future. But that's never God's intention. The reason I know that is because the future that God's called to you is not dependent on what you've done. It's dependent on what he's done. So he will never try to define your future based off of your past. That's not the game. He defines your future based off of what he did, not what you did. So we can stop with that, right? But where God does use our past is he uses it to shape us to be better. Because once we've been burned by the iron, guess what? We don't touch the iron no more, right? Y'all remember when y'all were kids? Little bad kids. Just touching stuff, pushing stuff, breaking stuff. One time, me and my best friend decided to play football in our living room. My mom collected porcelain uh, uh, carousel, horse carousels. He threw the ball at me really fast. I ducked. It shattered one of her carousels. We ain't throw the football in the house no more. Not because we learned a great biblical lesson, but because I got beat. You know what I mean? And so I don't want that to happen no more. Just kidding. Not kidding, but I'm kidding. So God uses it to shape us. You know what I mean? Listen to this right here. God's assessment of you isn't, limit, isn't limited by where you've been before or even where you are right now. His words over you reflect the places that he plans to take you and the purposes he intends to fulfill through you. So when you read that scripture and you see the words that he's speaking over you, and you go, I don't, I don't understand it. I can't grasp it. Understand that he didn't write those words thinking about what you've done in your past. He wrote those words thinking about what he's already got planned for you in the future. He's living in the up ahead. <laughs> We're still trying to figure out the right now. So when he says that you're a good mom, he's talking about what he sees in the future. When he says that you're a good dad, he's talking about the plans he has for you in the future. When he says you're righteous in Christ, he's talking about the plans he has in the future. Make sense? So all of that, let me give you kind of a, a B point, this is also true for this series. Right? Because the first thing is, I have a past and I have a future. But here's kind of the sub part of it. You ready? God is working on you. This is true. And God is working through you. This is also true. He's working on you right now, healing you, working on you. But he's also working through you. Which here is the mind-blowing moment for most of us. That even in the midst of healing of what you've been through, God wants to use you to change somebody's life. Think about that. I'll show you. You think I'm losing my mind? Let's go back to Mark chapter 5 for a second. Watch this. The scripture says it. I didn't come up with this. I don't make up sermons. I don't preach what I want you to hear. I just preach what I see. Watch this. Mark chapter 5, verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, Jesus has healed him, healed him of the demons. Demons are gone. They're in the pigs. Pigs are done. Bacon's being cooked. We're all done with this. Jesus gets into the boat, 
the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus, let me go with you. Jesus, let me go with you. Why would he want to go with Jesus? Here's my thought. Help me get away from this. I want to pretend like this never happened. I want to pretend like this didn't hurt. Help me get out of here. And then watch this. Jesus did not let him. Jesus, take this away. Make me forget about it. But Jesus does not let it happen. Why would Jesus do that? Watch what Jesus says. Go home to your own people, to your family, to your friends, to your co-workers, to the people who literally put you on the island by yourself. Go home to them and rub it in their face that I'm better now. Go home and give them the, you know, the friends thing. Like, you know, what, what, do, I, what do I do when I get home? Go home and tell them how much the Lord's done for you. Go home and tell them about the, the grace of Jesus Christ and the healing power of God. Show them who you were and now who you are. It says, so the man went away and he began to tell the Decapolis. That's, that's ten cities, ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And watch this. And all of the people were amazed. Y'all know how I am. I start reading this and I'm trying to put myself in the story. And I'm this man. And Jesus is telling me, go to the Decapolis. Can't get on this boat with me. And I'm like, Jesus, let me get on the boat with you. And he's like, no, you can't get on the boat with me. Go back and tell your little snotty nose friends. Like, let everybody know about Jesus. And I'm trying to process this. He turns away. I'm not, I'm, obviously, I don't know the terrain, but I'm trying to imagine turning away from Jesus and being like, okay, I'm going to my people. And all of a sudden, the Lord just brought back a sentence that we read earlier when we were reading that I had forgot about, where it said, all throughout the night, he would cry out and he would cut himself with stones. Remember that? So while he's been on this island, he's been cutting himself. I've talked with people before who do it. Some people say they do it just to make sure they can still feel something. Sometimes it's about, you know, um, attention. Sometimes it's just about pain and hurting yourself. So he's cutting himself. And I thought about, first I thought about arms, just because that's what I know in culture. But I thought this guy was so deranged, he was probably cutting all over his body. With stones, y'all. Stones. Just just cutting himself all over. All right? Just cutting him, crying. Ah, ah, hurting him. And this, all right, so, right? Y'all with me? So this is the same guy who Jesus said, go back and tell them what I've done for you. So when he shows up on the doorsteps of people talking about the glory of God, guess what's all over him? Scars. I'm all over him, on his neck, on his face, on his hands, and he's trying to tell them about Jesus. He's trying to tell them about healing power, and at some point, maybe not them, but it would have been me. I'd have been like, hold on, bro, one quick, one second. What happened to you? Before you can even tell me, what happened to you? And he gets to set up, watch this, his worst moment. I was on the island by myself. I was thinking about ending it. I started cutting myself with stones. Well, why aren't you dead? Because Jesus showed up. He wanted to get in the boat with Jesus so that he could get far away from his past. Jesus said, I need you to take your past 
I need you to go into those people that are around you so that they will physically see your past and the scars and the grace of God and how you've been restored and redeemed will become a ministry to those people. To those people. Now listen to me. There's a difference in wounds and scars. You need Jesus to heal your wounds. You need to go out and preach through your scars. Right? When Jesus says the old is gone, the old is gone. But it comes with scars. The old is gone. It's washed away. Far enough from the, from what is the south or the east from the west. It's gone. But I still got scars. God, just take away my scars. And he says, look, one day I will. When you get to heaven, it'll be a fresh new body. And every moment of that past will be gone. But until then, I need you to wear it proudly. I need you to walk into places where people are suffering from the very thing that you were alive and made it alive through and tell them about me. Tell them about me. If we're not careful, we start asking God to take something away from us not realizing that God's left it there for it to become a ministry. Just take it away, God. Just let me get in the boat. Just let me get in the boat. I love you so much. You say, just let me get in the boat. And Jesus says, there'll be a day where you'll be with me, but today's not the day. Because you got friends and you got family and they need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've been ashamed of your past. God is not ashamed of your past. There's never a moment where he turns his head because of something you've done. He is completely aware, and that is why Christ died on the cross. But what I love about it is not only is he not ashamed of it, he wants to package it and use it so that other people can experience Jesus through you. So there's kind of two activities at the end of this message. One is for those of you that you've experienced healing through Jesus and you're trying to forget what you went through, and I'm telling you right now that God wants to use it, I'm encouraging you right now to start finding out how can I use it in ministry. For people who've had difficult marriages, but you've made it through, there are people in this room that are struggling that could use that kind of knowledge. People who've who've had difficult finance past, but God's healed it. There are people in here dealing with finance who could use that. Like, find a way to package it. Do it in a small group. Right now, small groups happening every night of the week, and this is happening. People are sharing what they went through, what they've been through, and people are finding healing because of it. Disciple somebody. Get on a dream team and tell a kid about it. Tell somebody from the front door about it. Share your life so that people can be changed, right? That's number one. Number two is this. The thing I couldn't escape was this. Jesus healed him before he sent him out. Be careful not to go out before you're healed. You know what I mean? If we're not careful, we'll start moving, wanting to tell people about something that we're still actually hurting from. And so because of that, I then landed at this. Well, well how, how do we find healing? I mean, I, I've talked to you all this morning about the fact that it'll never go away necessarily. I, I mean, it, it, it could. But how do you find healing? And all of a sudden, I remember there's only one other time in the Bible that talks about scars. Do you remember when this was? Jesus' hands. So I just kind of had that connection. 
And I love the, the ability to release the responsibility and say to you that the only place that you can find real healing is through Jesus Christ. The one who took on wounds for your wounds. The one who was beaten for you. Hung up to die for you. Do me a favor, everybody stand in this place. Worship team, I'm going to invite you up. Prayer team, I'm going to invite you down. I want to set a tone real quick before we leave. Here's the two things we're going to do. In a minute, we're going to go back into that Graves in the Garden song. And we wanted to do that because of the testimony of that song. You turn graves into gardens. Right? It's all this idea that you're turning my past into something positive for the future. And while we're worshiping, I want you to do one of two things. One, if you've been healed, I want you to be able to lift your hands and say, God, use my story. Use me as a testimony. Use me so that somebody might come to know you, Jesus. Send me to my Decapolis, right? That's one group. Here's the other group. I still need healing from my wounds. And certainly you can pray right where you are and experience healing right there. I believe it. But I also want to encourage you that we have a prayer team for a reason. And what a great time it would be for people to just be able to hold your hand put an arm on your shoulder and just pray with you through something that you need healing from today. And maybe this morning is one of those moments where you thought you were healed, but you're finding out that you're not. And that God would orchestrate all of this. I, I met with a friend this week. We talked through a similar situation like this, and the sermon was already written. I had already, I was a day early sending it to production for media. Y'all can thank me for that, right? Awesome. But I just think God's so sweet that that message would be done and in the chamber and sit down with somebody who's actually walking this out. And it just encouraged me that there's people in this room that you're actually walking this out. And it'd be a great opportunity this morning to just pray and say, God, I need healing. I need supernatural healing. Can I tell you the best thing about my job is that I can preach something like this and then walk off stage with no responsibility. It's not my job to heal you and thank God for it. It's only my job to point you to the one who I know will. And so I'm just encouraging you this morning, we're going to start to sing. And if you need prayer for anything, you need healing for anything, I'm going to encourage you to come down. Seek that prayer. If you don't want to come down, pray right where you are. God, heal me. God, heal me. If you're healed, start praying, God, use me. Right? There's only two prayers happening in here. God, use me. God, heal me. God, use me. God, heal me. Close your eyes right now. Father, we thank you for your word, for the fact that you use our past and that you have a future. And so I pray right now that your Holy Spirit in this room will begin to speak to every person. For those that have experienced healing from past, that right now they would give their life to serving you, give their life to preaching the gospel, to ministering to the people that you put in their life. For those that still need healing, right now let them know it's them. There are people in this room, they didn't even know that they still needed healing. And they're just finding out right now that that wound is still very fresh. Father, do, do what only you can't do. You're healing in this place. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, right now, if you need prayer, just go ahead and begin to come down. If you want prayer right where you are, just lift your hands. Just start to say, God, I pray for healing right now. Healing on my body, healing on my marriage, healing on my finances, healing on my mind. Come on, if you're healed and you know that God wants to use you, just start saying, God, I'm yours. Use me, God.
Use me, God. Hallelujah.